Hello, my sweet little angels. This is Pax. I have an amazing episode for everybody here today. Uh, Pal and I had on Chef Paul, also known as Chef PK, legendary YouTube chef, legendary creative, absolute brilliance, like a uh, nerd businessman. Fantastic, uh, fantastic time talking to Chef Paul. Um, and that, that said, Chef Paul gave us so much amazing material that for the first time in Brotaku's history, we are actually doing a double episode. And so the way that I'm splitting this up is the first part of this is going to be our interview with uh, Chef Paul, where Chef Paul is dropping like unbelievable amounts of wisdom, was so generous with his time and 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 the intelligence that, that he, he was giving out. So if you have ever considered starting your own YouTube channel, following following your dreams, creating a, a life that meshes uh, creativity with practicality, finding purpose, Chef PK dropped some unbelievable wisdom. Uh, that said, if there's one show that Chef PK is the absolute master of, it is Food Wars, the legendary uh, shonen series involving uh, cooking and orgasming and uh, <laughs> amazing battle scenes. And so the way we're doing this is the first episode you're going to see in your feed today is going to be our interview with Chef PK. The second episode is going to be our Food Wars episode with Chef PK, in which we do a deep dive into Food Wars, all those topics. If you're only interested in uh, Food Wars, you could listen to the second one, but I highly recommend you listen to the interview too, because the amount of wisdom and charisma and humor that Chef Paul brings is just unbelievable. Now, that said, we had a unprecedented issue with our uh, recording platform. We use Squadcast, which is normally great, gives us no issues, but it flipped, exploded at certain points. And so not only did Chef Paul allow us to start the episode twice, luckily I was able to get everything from a backup. And so all of this audio is here. But because everything's so good, you're just going to hear us start the episode twice. <laughs> I'm going to explain why when it happens. Um, but uh, for everybody out there, please enjoy listening to the wisdom of, of uh, Chef Paul. Some of the audio in this episode might might be a little wompy because of the internet strangeness going on, but we are bringing love to you from Western New York, from New York City, from the, the West Coast, and all together we're coming through, and I think that this is one of our, our, our greatest episodes yet. So everybody, please enjoy uh, part one of this Brotaku's Double Trouble Special Schmeschel. <laughs> please enjoy Brotaku's with Chef PK. everybody, I'm Hal. I'm Pax. And this is Brotakus, the show where two guys who love anime do a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe you don't have to get a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, and strange art form. And we're lucky to have you on this journey with us. Shout out to those who are showing us our support. Thank you so much to everyone who's been listening in. We'd love to hear from you, and we're so glad you're joining us. Uh, do you want us to review your favorite manga or anime? Shoot us an email or leave us a review, and we're going to check it out. I want to give a shout out to some people who left us some comments this week on our Facebook and Twitter. Uh, shout outs Woo. to, I don't know if this is your real name, Bakugo Katsuki. <laughs> shout out Bakugo. I think that's legit. I think it's 
real. Yeah, shout out uh, Liam Lavole, Amir Hopkins, uh, Don Savage, Spencer Walters, and Andy Roberts. Uh, my favorite uh, comments from this week. Um, uh, Bakugo saying, I want a friend willing to be my stand with a crying emoji. Reaches Aww. my heart. And then uh, from uh, Liam, I know your label is a portmanteau of bro and otaku, but I keep reading it like it's an ancient Greek name like Spartacus. Brodicus. <laughs> so we are the Brodicus. And so uh, leading into today, our guest today is a legendary chef with over a decade of experience in professional kitchens. Over the past year and a half, he's been running his own YouTube channel where you could find recreations of food from your favorite games and anime, as well as anime reactions, kitchen bake basics, and wild culinary experiments. A big Brotaku's welcome to Paul, a.k.a. Chef PK. Chef, how are you doing today? Awesome, man. Thanks for that. Was a, that was a lead up. I'm like, dude, I just baked a cake last night. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This is going to be fun. Yeah. I'm excited to just talk about food and anime and gaming and mostly food, to be honest, but whatever. Like, I'm, I'm here for all of it. It's, it's been a journey for the past year and a half, to say the least. Yeah, it, indeed. And actually, that's a yeah. fantastic segue, Paul. You are a natural at this. How's everybody doing? COVID going on? We're at different places all over the country. Are we all holding up okay? So things are spiking. So, We're heading back into yeah, Doom World. Yeah. Yep, definitely in lockdown again. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, definitely yeah. Uh, slipping back into my pajamas for the next four weeks. Probably not going to take them off until that entire time period is over. Um, but yeah, lo- lockdowns are real. And uh, I'm very lucky to be able to do what I do. And I and I count my blessings on that one. Like, I don't take that. I don't take any advantages over that. Like, nope. To be able to still work, you know, from home yeah. is something that I wish more people could do and experience. But, man, like the past year and a half has not been the easiest for anyone. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that at least hopefully people still have their health. That's, yeah. that's all you could really ask for at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Hal, uh, are you okay, honey? How have things been? Honestly, I've been really well. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These past few days have been nice. Uh, you know, still working. We haven't been shut down in Cornwall yet. Um, it's been an exciting place to be at the moment, serving coffee, talking to people, wearing masks. It's been a great time. <laughs> Anyone's uh, favorite things to do. <laughs> yeah, all three. Yeah. And, 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 but, but honestly, this is probably the highlight of my week. And I'm so, so, so hyped to talk about food and anime today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, all the tragedy going on. How could we not feel, feel blessed and joyous to be, you know, com- combining microphones over the, the, the electric airwaves and coming through? through to talk about strange beautiful food creations and weird pornographic perversions of food wars i mean like yeah i don't know like you know the people <laughs> that's in the to Sp- say the least of it yeah for <laughs> real yeah and the people in the spanish flu were not doing this you know it was a yeah, little exactly. rougher yeah, for yeah, those yeah. homies so yeah counting our blessings here today um so uh chef Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Paul, your channel is fantastic. Um, I know that I love um, the the videos that you have going up, and I'm seeing you kind of uh, pivoting um, more and more as uh, Food Wars is kind of, uh, I guess, has, has reached its zenith, its its final season, because today we're going to be talking about Food Wars more broadly later. But for now, we got a pro chef uh, on, on the podcast, and so we got mm-hmm. we got to ask, um, how have you how have you found it as a uh, content creator these days adapting to the new sort of like online economy, getting your hustle on, finding your different um, niches. What's that been like for you? That's kind of a, an interesting thought because I've had so many different ideas pop in my head mm-hmm. from researching and I watch a, the majority of the content that I actually watch on YouTube are 
channels that help you grow your YouTube channel. Mm. So Nick Nimmons, Roberto Blake, Daryl Eves just went to Vid Summit online. And to me, it what I've had YouTube channels before and they were just kind of like hobby channels, you know, where I tried to, you know, just post up a video on how to make, I actually have it up here. I made a Hylian shield out of foam. You know, like just I wanted it. I wanted to make it, but I was like, let me show the process. And so I would have this YouTube channel and, you know, it would get some traction and like it became monetized at one point. I was making like 15 bucks a month. I was like, cool. It pays for some foam or something. And I started to realize, like, okay, this could actually be a thing, but I wasn't good enough to do it with like prop making. And I like doing that on my own time or whatever. And the new landscape for YouTube is that... YouTube is where you go because you guys probably do this as well. YouTube is where you go to get your questions answered, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, it's, it's Google essentially, but it's the second largest search engine on the planet, second to Google and Google uses YouTube to find things for you. So 20% of uh, this, I know I'm just throwing numbers now. I, this is all I study. 20% no, yeah, of all that sounds right to me. Yeah. yeah 20% <laughs> of all Google searches will come back with a YouTube video. So one in five, right? Wow. So when you really look at that, I started to think, okay, well, what questions need answering, right? Mm-hmm. What am I good at? What do I really enjoy doing? What can I do consistently and what have I done consistently for the past, you know, 15 years or whatever? And that ended up becoming cooking. And to be honest, when I first started my channel, I was actually in a very salty spot. Like, you know, I'm like one in 17 with Kaisa bottom lane league of legends, right? Like <laughs> absolutely getting crushed, super salty. And I was trying to build an online presence with like the prop thing, but I just wasn't, it wasn't clicking for me. Right. So when I did the first YouTube video, this was April, 2019. And I remember that month because I, it, it was, I was somewhere else in, at that time. Um, I was working full time. I was actually working for salt and straw at the time and I was making ice cream with them. Mm. So that was a fun experience. Cause I wanted to, I honestly wanted to work in a factory and see what that was all about and get that in that environment and throw on my chef coat. I'm like, all right, well, I love anime and people always talk about food wars. I got to see what this is about. Yeah. So throw my chef coat, tried to do the whole super salty Gordon Ramsay thing. And I was actually just pissed that day. So I, I recorded the video and just put it up on the internet. I didn't do anything. I barely edited it, like took out a little bit of dead air here and there or something like that. If I had to pause and just put it up online and then Reddit took care of the rest. Mm. I literally did nothing. Yeah. Reddit, Reddit took care of the rest. Somebody found the video, posted it to Reddit, you know, got a, got a bunch of upvotes or whatever. And then, I was actually in bend with my wife at the time. She was on a, she was on a conference doing her Batman thing. And so we all got to go to bend for a few days and my phone. Just started rolling with it and eventually it came down to let's just see where this goes. Mm -hmm. And I was still working full time. 
you know, and, and at that point I wanted to make sure I maintained it, but YouTube, the YouTube landscape was for me, well, I'm a chef. I know about food. I love cooking and I love anime. So let me answer that question because there has to be someone online searching for Chef Reacts to Food Wars, especially at the height of its popularity, Mm -hmm. you know, where season four had, I think just was just coming out and season five hype was happening. So it was riding that wave of, of Food Wars, but that does come with a lot of its own issues. So yeah, the, the YouTube landscape is insane and for anyone who's out there listening to wanting to become a content creator answer questions and don't make selfish content that's mm. literally what it comes down to you know find your audience and answer those questions to your audience and your audience will take care of the rest fantastic thank you for dri- i know that's a lot to digest a, but no that's an excellent how-to thank you so much the, the way that you phrased um, finding that need, filling it, following kind of the, the, the demand and then giving the supply, I think is, is really brilliant. And clearly it's worked out very well for you because you're almost sitting at, I think, what, 140, 150K at this point in terms yeah, of the Yeah, I think we just, we just broke uh, 140 this, this week, I think it was, which is still mind-blowing to me. Awesome. I, I pretend I have nothing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like I know I have a really awesome audience and they're they're super motivated about food and anime especially. But you have to think when you really look at the analytics too, you have to treat it like the people who are watching your videos have never seen you before. Right. That's what because mm. you want to make that first impression every single time. Absolutely. And I, I think yeah. that – um. Something that I, I I really found remarkable as a as a viewer is, um, and and I guess as a, a creative is seeing how fulfilling that need. I mean, I I can't really make uh, assumptions about the the person that you are, but something that that uh, Hal and I will talk about is as a creative, what is your most genuine self? How can you kind of how can you find a way to 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 balance the the truest part of your 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 soul and what you want to create with what those needs are and seeing the um kind of like reacts and um you you are not like crazy negative or or mocking of food wars at all but i just get the sense and let me know if i'm on it at all here that seeing the the um hyper curious positive exploring side of chef paul in the recent videos after the reaction series it feels like a more kind of like genuine embodiment of who you are do you, is that right at all no definitely i i actually was passed up on a promotion in a hotel because i was known as like the clown of the kitchen because i was always joking around you know like you're you're making food mm-hmm. like why are we freaking out you want to do it to the best of your ability but you you can still have fun doing it and there'd be days where I'd go up to a buddy of mine, Joaquin, love him to death. Um, you know, and I still talk to a lot of my chef friends and we, we try to keep in touch. I walked up to him and I was like, here, bite this. And I just put it, literally shoved the sandwich into his mouth. Yeah, the squid peanut was, butter move. Yeah. And it was, it was literally, yeah. it was, it was a grilled chicken breast that I had stuffed with peanut butter and candied shallots wrapped in like lettuce with like a little bit of spicy mustard. And he first bit into it. He's like, what the? And he's like, oh this isn't bad. I was like, yeah, you're welcome. Then I went, you know, that was like on some weird like kick of savory and sweet. And yeah. those ideas can't come to fruition in a professional environment. Mm-hmm. They can't, you know, usually, especially in a hotel environment, because I loved working in hotels. That was my primary focus as a, as a chef growing up or a cook growing up. Cause I liked the feeding 1500 people a night. You know, I liked doing that high volume, crazy insanity. But you're not going to serve someone a chicken breast stuff with peanut butter and candied shallots. Nobody's going to buy that, you know. So being able to 
kind of look into the food war side of it where they do expand a lot of things and where they're able to, I guess, explore different techniques. And then now trying to apply that to my own channel allows me to really diversify my content, right? Where I, I love leaning into what I call the lab on the channel where I do all these weird experiments, you know, like, oh, I'm going to try to make Trace Litch's cake pops, which should not exist on this planet, but I'm going to try to do it. Yeah, I'm going to try to do it to the best of my ability, you know, or one that I have coming out is a, a Poke Loco where if you guys are familiar, it's Tosti Locos, which is a, a Mexican, it's a Mexican dish and it's street food. And they take a bag of Tostitos chips, they open it up, and they throw chicharron on there, they throw beans, or they throw onions, or meat, or steak, or whatever, and it's just a bag of Tostitos chips with all the stuff on top of it, and you just eat it with a fork. I did my own version Whoa. of like kind of a a Hawaiian poke slash lomi lomi style, but I found ramen chips, and I'm like, well, now I have ramen chips on the bottom with all this ahe poke on top, and you can eat it that way, and just all these different flavors and combinations. I'm like, I've never tried this before. I may as well be the one to do it, you know, mm -hmm. so just go with it. So leaning into that aspect allows me to be super creative without bothering anyone i guess you know and really in a right. way like trying to feed it to a customer and charge them money for it <laughs> you know i'm the one paying for it so i can do i can do whatever i want you know like the I, those those experiments allow you to be creative right. without Absolutely. hindering right. what you really want to <laughs> um, do in the future yeah, yeah, yeah. which i think is really cool about being 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 able to make content like this Chef, I, I just have a question for you, a personal question that I, I just need to know. Um, what is the most deranged thing that has ever come out of your brain and onto a plate? What What is the craziest thing that you've ever come up with? I tried making this soup for for a special, right? Like in the in the hotel, we always had to try to utilize different ingredients to essentially make money off of them if they were something extra or whatever the case was, right? You're just you're just trying to sell product. So I was like, I'm gonna make a pineapple coconut curry soup and it was right and, and, and in my head i'm like okay you know a little little maybe sweet maybe a little spicy in yeah. there it was god awful it was i <laughs> there was no saving this thing and it was it was coconut milk with like some curry that i had made so i just made my own spices and grinds added some pineapple juice to it to try to sweeten it up and then it wasn't thick enough, so I used instead of using a like a a roux or something to keep it gluten free, I threw potatoes in there to you know then blend and make it like the kind of potatoy thickness to it. But then the potatoes like took away a lot of the spices, so it was bland and just I, I ended up with like four gallons of soup because I kept adding stuff to it. It was yeah. like my pauldron of of <laughs> disgustingness, right? And I just kept adding stuff to it. And I was like, this is, sorry, chef, this is garbage. And I just tossed it, literally. And and I couldn't, I couldn't fathom of how to save it. And so I just, mm -hmm. I just ended up throwing it out, which was such a waste to me. But what do you, at that point, no one's going to buy four gallons of this, you know, let alone, let alone a few cups of it. So there, I try to make, make it to where I don't create disgusting food on purpose, you know, but there are times where I throw something together. I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't, you can't eat that. You don't want to eat that. Yeah. That was one of my ones. Right. But now, yeah, you, exactly. know. now yeah. you know, or now, you know, now a big thing too, is that I learned from it. I was like, okay, if I wanted to make a pineapple coconut curry soup, how do I go about it? 
you know, that, and then try mm-hmm. to, try to change, try to change different ratios or whatever the case is. So that way you're like, okay, I learned from the mistake. If I want to make it again, for whatever reason, I'm going to, but maybe I'll make it into a sauce for rice instead, you know, just, just, just go with yeah. those flavors, but do it into a different application. So there's always a lesson to be learned. That's why I feel like a lot of people who quote unquote fail. I'm like, no, you didn't. Do you know how many times I fail every single day? Like, are you kidding me? What do you like? I fail. I fail multiple times per day, and I see those as little micro failures, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't right. have enough salt. Mm-hmm. Needs more salt. Failed the salt test on the first go, but then you're going to nail it on the second one. That's still technically mm-hmm. a failure because you're not going to sure. do everything perfectly the first time, you know. So a lot of people freak out. I had I had someone reach out to me um, through my website, and typically when somebody sends me an email on my website, I, I respond pretty promptly because there's not a lot of them. It's not like YouTube comments where you just spam with comments. Mm-hmm. And he reached out to me and the, the subject just said rock bottom. And I was like, okay, this is going to be heavy. So I read it and it was, he's trying to be a better chef or, you know, better cook. And he wants to go to culinary school and he was making a steak and the steak had, you know, he, he, it was like a sirloin or something, whatever he was doing. He'd seared it, cooked it right. And then tempt it and the thermometer, you know, read 145. So like a medium, medium rare, once it's done carrying over, he let it rest and everything. When he cut it, it was raw in the middle. And I'm like, that's fine. Did you temp your thermometer? He's like, no, I didn't. I was like, okay, that could have been your first mistake. Like, don't freak out. You know, it's fine. If your thermometer wasn't properly temped, grab a cup of ice water, stick the thermometer in there, and then make sure it reads 32 degrees Celsius or Fahrenheit. And so you know that it's temped. It could have been that your thermometer randomly dropped or it's just not calibrated. That was the mistake of the tool. But it was also your mistake for not temping your thermometer. So I was like, don't freak out. You're also using a cut of steak. I think it was a sirloin. That's very difficult to work with, like in just searing. And eventually, when you've grilled 4,000 steaks, you're going to get a feel for them just by poking them. You know, I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. Do you know how I many, like, if, if somebody was paying you $150 for that steak, then yeah, I'd be like, crap, like shit, I got to remake this, you know, make sure it's the proper temp and stuff. You're eating it for yourself. Throw that shit in the microwave and finish your dinner and then worry about it later. You know, like I've done crap like that. I'm like, ah, the steak's not that cooked. I made boiled eggs the other day. They were a little bit under because my stove sucks, you know, so I didn't time them perfectly. Throw them in the microwave. I don't care. What do you, like people worry about all these micro failures and don't try to learn the lesson from them. So it's like going back to the soup. The soup sucked, but it's still a cool concept that I want to try for like a curry dish later. So don't worry about, your, you know, for anybody listening, if you fail, good, keep failing. Because then when you succeed, that success is going to feel so much better than all those other little failures. If it's not catastrophic, no one died, you didn't lose a limb, you'll be all right. But if you did lose a limb, I mean, maybe you learned from that one too, but still, you know, so yeah, that, it, it blows my mind how many people are so discouraged by those little micro failures in, mm-hmm. in anything they do. And you look at that failure and you figure out a way to fail mm-hmm. better and yeah. smarter and even at some points fail quicker, yeah. you know, are your failure, are your failures taking too yeah, long? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you know you, yeah, yeah. Um, but, 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 but seeing you kind of a, as a traveler going to these different fields, being at YouTube right now, um, you, 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 you shared once that, uh, you had had a really brilliant kind of like pork belly dish at a restaurant that uh, was selling like nothing because people were confused about what it was, but changing the name to smoked bacon chowder caused it to sell mm-hmm. out daily. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so that's and gotta be incredibly frustrating. It is. But I kinda wanna yeah. 
I want to make this connection because I have a lot of um, friends who are YouTubers, some of which are frustrated and resentful at the algorithm or having to title your mm-hmm. videos in a certain way or having to, you know, make the thumbnail you like really uh, pop, like looking like it's like six <laughs> nine getting up mm-hmm. in the camera, <laughs> like some really crazy, you know, uh, visual things. But for you, what what do you feel like the balance is as someone who is so adept in um, marketing with getting the content out there versus like the how you package it? What's more important to you at the end of the day? To be honest, it's it's about this sounds so like a YouTuber thing. It's about the click, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mm-hmm. know my content is cooking content, right? So the content yeah. can be very valuable to people, but it's getting them to initially click. And I keep going back to the restaurant analogy because that's what I know. If you yeah. are walking by a restaurant that, you know, maybe looks super clean, very chic, there's people in there already, you know, you get this impression that it's it, it looks like it's going to be a good restaurant. And you'd be like, okay, cool. And you've, your mind's already decided. You're, you're going to walk into this restaurant if you've been walking around trying to find somewhere to eat. And you're going to go into this restaurant and you have a horrible experience, right? But you already mm-hmm. gave them your money. You already bought your meal, yeah. right? Whereas on the flip side, I have eaten at some of the best hole in the walls in, 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 either, in either Japan or we were just recently in Scotland, you know, or out here in Portland or in San, like taco shop which, you know, are, pl- are plenty where I grew up in San Diego. They're usually like next to a gym where you don't know if there's an actual entrance to the place. But my God, that burrito is life changing, <laughs> you know, like that. So, yeah. so you never know. So when you look at the whole you. <laughs> but it's not that way it's, on YouTube. It's not that way. Well, there, are, there are very few right, people who are like whole. Right. Walls, and, right. And that's the problem. So you could have the best most engaging video on the planet. You could have end game status, like Marvel end game, right? You could, that could be the status of your YouTube video. No joke, right? Sure. Th- yeah. That's the caliber of the video. But if your thumbnail mm-hmm. looks like crap or your title says, I created a video that's really cool and you should watch, like, Who's going to, you know, and the thumbnail is like a picture of a, I don't know, of, of my keys or something. It, they're yeah. just going to scroll mm-hmm. by it. So what I've learned, and especially in the past couple of weeks with like doing all the Vid Summit stuff, is I have personally learned that you still have to look at everything as a whole. Everything works together. Mm-hmm. The title. So it, this is the easiest way. Thumbnail first, which leads to the title, which follows in through your content right so everything mm. happens in such a small time frame with with youtube now and i've discovered and this is like listening to like mr beast doing his talks and daryl eves and these guys and it's 7 seconds and that's not 7 seconds of video that is 7 seconds of entire engagement time from the time you see the thumbnail to the time you read the title then you have about 3 seconds in that video to hook right? That's Mm. why it's seven seconds. So I see the thumbnail. If it's a picture of this mug, right? Which is kind of like this mug and it's, Mm. and it, you know, it's just pointing to it. And the title says, you know, how to create ceramic mugs. The first three seconds of that video should be you on one of those little clay things spinning, making the Mm. mug and then lead into your content. Because if you if you start the video, this is what I've realized, and this is why I'm trying to change my content. If I've realized on some of my older videos that the intros were so long that people were dropping off for retention, 
right? If it's like a 20 mm-hmm. or 30 second intro of, hey guys, we're going to be making this today and I want to talk to you about this and this and that. It's like, no, my my most recent video um, for tomorrow is the potato chip fry. I'm sorry. So this is going to be Friday. Whenever this is coming out, the video will already be released by then. But uh, I have my potato chip fried rice video from Weathering With You coming out. And I re-edited the intro, you know, to also coincide with some sponsor stuff. But I re-edited the intro to say potato chip fried rice from weathering with you. And then within that first few seconds, I show you the end result. So I take the clip from the final bit of the video and I place it at the front. So you can see what you're going to see towards the end and then lead into the content. So with, with people who are creating YouTube videos and this goes for myself, like I just released a, the Kiki's chocolate mm-hmm. cake video, which I recorded back in September, you know, and I, and that's how mm. old this video is. And I just hadn't like, been making different videos and put out those until then. But um, it was on the back burner. I put it out and I knew the video wasn't going to do well because I didn't have a good thumbnail. I wasn't thinking about thumbnails at that time. It's like, nope, here's the chocolate cake. Take a picture of the cake, put it up. Instead, I should have like cut the cake open, held out a slice so you can see the inside, maybe give you some depth to the image, you know, work on those things because then you're like, oh, that actually looks kind of neat. Maybe I'll click that, you know, or tell people that it's a chocolate cake mm-hmm. video. Right. And so when you, yeah. when you do things like that, you have to start thinking about the entire package, not just mm-hmm. because old school YouTube was like that back in 2012, it was all about the thumbnails where if you clicked your video would do well because then YouTube was like, people are clicking this video show it to as many people as possible. But now it's more about audience retention and average view duration. So if average view duration mm. and audience retention are good and click through rate is good, the video will do really, really well. If one or the other are, are doing well, then eventually YouTube may promote that video to a different audience. So that's why sometimes I see like a video that I think it was, uh, what was it? My Senku Cola video right? Where I had no idea what I was doing at the time. I was still like doing a lot of live speak. The the editing was garbage. I think I was using my cell phone to record video at the time, you know, and I had maybe like a lavalier yeah. mic or something that was attached to the cell phone. So I couldn't actually walk too far away. Otherwise the cell phone like came crashing down, you know, yeah. onto the floor. And that video didn't have a lot of views to start. And I didn't think anything of it. It didn't take super long to produce. And then all of a sudden it's almost at a million views now. And this is almost a year later. Mm-hmm. So YouTube will will recommend content at different intervals of its lifespan. So I've seen this happen on my channel. I've seen it happen on other channels where if you put up what you think is the best video on the planet, that's cool, but keep doing it because it's the whole, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, if you treat yeah. it to where I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do YouTube for, for a week. Like you're, what are you going to accomplish in mm-hmm. a week? You know, it's like working out like you, you would know this how, like if you're working out and you are like, I'm going to, I'm going to work out every day for a week. It's like, that's cool. You didn't, you're not going to accomplish anything. It's all about the, it's all about the yeah, long run. Yeah, right? yeah. I have a term, um, that one of my buddies taught me about, uh, people who were like, they're like, you know what? I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go Saturday. I'm going to work until I die. And then I'm going to get up the next day yeah. and I'm going to do it again. And we call those weekend mm-hmm. warriors uh, because, yep. they, you know, they put everything they have into like two or three days. And then, the you know, the day after they're done, they're destroyed, they're wrecked, and they cannot keep it up any longer. So they're like, eh, it's too hard. And then they quit. And that can kind yep. of be said. A weekend warrior can take many forms in many fields. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's just not what you want to do. Like you said, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. 
Yep. And I've, I've realized that even with YouTube, long periods of very intense work should be followed with long periods of intense rest. Love that. So there, there mm. are times, yeah, there are times where I have to grind out videos if I'm going to be gone for a weekend or whatever. And last week I worked 22 hours in two days, basically, you know, because I had to, I worked 11 to 12 hours each day up till one thirty or two in the morning, answering emails and editing content and whatever the case was, because I was going to be gone for three mm-hmm. or four days. So it's okay to have those intense periods of activity if it leads up to intense periods of rest. Otherwise you're going right. to burn out. There's, there's no yeah. way around it. You're going to burn out. It's the whole burning the candle at both ends, but now you're using a blowtorch. You know, you threw it out in the Arizona sun. Like you're just doing yourself a disservice at that point. And a shout out yeah. to our people who avoid being weekend warriors by not even going on the uh, weekends like yeah. me. Join my <laughs> army. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we need all types. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, wow, Pax. That was some really solid riffing. I thought that that was really amazing, the joke that you made. Oh, wow, Chef PK is so funny. Oh, wow, Hal is so handsome. I know, right? So, this is Pax in the editing room coming back at this point. I look at the recording button. It seems like things aren't recording. Squadcast is going crazy. My computer is on fire. I start crying and having a panic attack that lasts for the next 90 minutes of the episode as I'm silently screaming. But, as you can see, we were able to recover all the audio anyway, and everything's good. That said... We are jumping into uh, uh, the second start of the episode where everybody uh, everybody was an absolute peach. Here's a little clip of that. So, um, gang, looking at the recording time, I think oh, we need to redo no. the intro. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> but thank you so much for your patience. So, as you can see, we were able to recover all the audio. At that moment, though, I thought that we were fucked. But luckily, everything worked out okay. Everyone was a consummate professional. But because there was some good material here, I'm just going to play this again anyway. So we're skipping ahead. We've introduced the episode already. We mentioned that hilarious Brodicus comment. Everything is all good. And I'm just going to leave it from when we introduced Chef PK again, because the chef is so damn dope that he just deserves to get bigged up twice, because Chef PK is amazing. Check out all Chef PK stuff. So, with that said, Harp is coming back, and we are traveling back into the past. Here's Brotakus again. Our guest today is a legendary chef with over a decade of experience in professional kitchens. Over the past year and a half, he's been running his own YouTube channel where you can find recreations of food from your favorite games and anime, as well as anime reactions, kitchen basics, and wild culinary experiments. A big Brotaku's welcome to Paul, a.k.a. Chef PK. Chef, Hal, how are we doing today? I don't know about you guys, but I want a Brotakus yeah, t-shirt I might now. Ma- let's make a custom That'd one. Let's amazing. do it. That'd be amazing. Brotakus, you know, a little... little a little yeah. lightning bolt or something it'd be amazing yeah. yeah for sure i think we need like a new mascot too now that brodicus is in our lives totally um and and every time that this happens i'm completely honest with the audience hey audience something happened with the recording we're doing it against all the natural energy you heard it's fake news ah. we're artificial we're bringing nothing but lies no we're doing our job right hopefully you didn't <laughs> We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, thank you for thank you to uh, Paul for coming in. And um, is is everybody holding up OK with COVID craziness going on? Yeah, know we're in different regions in the world. Yeah, it's been it's been a little rough since we are uh, my wife and I are in the Portland kind of area, a little like suburbs mm-hmm. of Portland. And it's been 
interesting to be locked down, but it's we've been very lucky that she is still essential personnel. She can go into work. Not too big mm-hmm. of a deal. Um, I get to work from home, so I'm very, very thankful I can still do that. But other than that, like we still have our health. Family members still have their health. The West Coast hasn't been hit too hard. Well, mm-hmm. and where we are, I don't know how California is because that's kind of mm-hmm. a mess right now. But we're we're doing fairly well. So it's been it's it's been eye opening as to how much you can accomplish in sweatpants. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm yeah. actually in a similar position where uh, I I am fortunate enough to. Uh, you know, despite the numbers rising in New York, I am still able to uh, keep busy. I'm still working about full time, uh, you know, serving coffee to people, talking to people, making people smile here and at home. And and I feel really lucky to be able to do that right now because it, it is a hard time for everybody. You know, not just like I know that we're all focused on our own lives, but every person you see in the day is going to have their own stuff going on. And, you know, we're we're lucky to be able to, to bring a smile to some people uh, no matter what day it is. Absolutely. And I'm currently scooping all of my lower intestines back into my body as the horde of, uh, of COVID zombies is knocking down my door. We are the highest percentage rate in, uh, in Western New York. Yeah. And I think all of New York around 10%. We're winning. We're winning so much. Very, very tired of winning. Uh, and, um, I, in fact, I, I, I am winning so much that, uh, our, um, our last election, man, our, uh, our, our, our constituency here in Western New York, we reelected somebody who was in jail. Yeah. Rather than elect hey. a different person. Yeah, Sounds right. Good, 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 you know. so, good, good. Yeah, we're we're not sending our best here, but um, uh, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Hal and I are both huge fans of the uh, channel, and seeing what you've put mm-hmm. out has been so inspiring to see like where the the quality is at i think it's extremely fair to say that you are one of the best people doing it right now on youtube in terms of uh food recreations and and experiments it's extremely high quality and looking at the numbers pretty successful people are liking what you're doing paul yeah i mean i i'm glad to see it and it's it's been such a wild ride to be honest the Mm. past year and a half like my my first video was in april of 2019 and Mm. I thought nothing of it, like just literally put on that chef coat, wanted to talk about something I was good at. So I talked about food. I really like anime. So I found food anime and that ended up just being food wars. And I know there's a lot of other food anime out there that I really Mm. haven't watched yet. I've seen a couple. I've probably seen four maybe at this point. But food and anime has always Mm -hmm. been a big thing. Like when you look at Dragon Ball Z. Wait, are you you, a Dragon Ball Z fan, Paul? Oh yeah, I got. I have seven Dragon oh Balls up God, on my shelf right now. Oh my God! Thank God, someone else yep. is on this crazy team with me. We're diehards. We won't go down. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. That's why I started working yes, out. You yeah, know, yeah, to look yeah, like yeah, Goku. Exactly. Like that. That was a big thing of it. You know, and with uh, with food anime, I'd never really watched mm-hmm. food anime before. You know, my my first anime was probably Pokemon. Like most people my age, but you didn't know it was anime. You were just yeah. watching it on, you know, cable TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's a cartoon and it's kind of cool. There's this cute little yellow rat thing and you got to throw balls at it. That sounds yeah. awkward. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, that's that's most people's experience. And then oh, and then you start as you grow a little bit older. So I'm, I'm turning 34 next month, just to give you guys perspective. And you, you kind of look at it that way. And then all of a sudden, Toonami yeah. is a thing. And yeah. you're like, oh, now I'm 12 and I get to watch watch outlaw star you know or cowboy bebop so those were those were you kind of lean into but with food anime i'd never really seen until i started watching Mm -hmm. food wars and when i made that first video it was the the salty gordon ramsay vibe you know like like kind of angry at the world and the food industry and not really 
being where I wanted to in life. So like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be super hypercritical of this food anime and just judge everything and talk about his disgusting headband and why you made you, some great points. Man. Why, why you really shouldn't do that because that is nasty. If you've ever worked in a kitchen before the last uh, kitchen I was in, in San Diego, um, when I was working a hotline just, just as a cook, it would reach about 105, 107 degrees inside the kitchen. You're telling me you're going to wear that headband for eight hours, maybe nine, and then wrap it around your wrist and then go home with that? No. That headband, you burn that headband. You ask for another one. You know, that's and, – and it kind of was one of those things where oh, I was hypercritical okay. of it, you know, just – Kind Cause, of because the last, the last kitchen I work at, I worked at, I would wear this like hemp G string and use it as butcher's twine halfway through the shift. Yeah. But I was fired pretty quickly. So yeah. you're saying that might have been a contributing factor? Yeah, absolutely. You know that you don't want to <laughs> wear the G string, especially right. around any kind of part of your body, especially after sure. it's been used. You know, uh-huh. that's just a no-no zone. But <laughs> is that where flavor comes from? <laughs> I, I let me know which restaurant that was so I can never go. You know, and I've seen some, I've seen some restaurants. Let me say, but. <laughs> Yeah, with it's uh, every Arby's oh for those of you. Who are oh wondering. my god! Yeah, hey, nothing, nothing uh, against some of that fast food, you know, because I'm guilty of like I love some fast food, but only yeah, if it's yeah. in and out man, or five I, guys. I used to love That's Arby's. My go-to. Man, Pax, you're ruining this for me. Y'all, I have nothing against Arby's. I have never worked at an Arby's. Arby's don't yeah. sue us. Parody, parody, parody. <laughs> Plus, Arby's has some anime yeah, advertisements. Yeah, they, they do. Some, they were going they hard. One one time. Oh my god, yeah. I was hyped. No, they were going hard with the anime advertising. And that's mm. so that that's actually kind of a neat little segue when you really think about it as to who the demographic is these yeah. days, right? So, Thanks. I started watching anime a long time ago, and it's funny to see people who come across the channel mm-hmm. for the first time and they're like, "This is your, you know, you don't really know anything about anime. You've only been watching it f- since you started watching Food Wars." And I'm like, "Oh, you are so naive, you little, sweet little baby. young one. You know, I, yeah, I like. I just gave a bunch of first and second edition Pokemon cards that I had collected oh, to my yeah. little cousin because she really likes them. And like, I, I love that stuff. Like, I have, I have Yu-Gi-Oh cards in my in that closet behind me. You know, mm. I have stacks of magic mm-hmm. cards. Like, I've been doing this for a long time, yeah, kids. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's one of those things. <laughs> but right now, in front of me, I'm staring at a. Piccolo, a Super Saiyan Vegeta, and a Perfect Cell keychain literally oh hanging in front of me. So it's, yeah, oh, it's yeah. it's one of those things where you kind of eventually come to a crossroads, and this mm-hmm. is going to be super spiritual. You come to a crossroads where you can finally combine the things you love and not feel guilty yes. about them. Yeah. And, and, right? And there's, there's a point where a lot of people are still, when I was in, in school and I was in the seventh or eighth grade i was rocking a dragon ball z t-shirt yeah. you know get it from mm-hmm. anchor blue it was literally like some official artwork that they slapped onto an ugly colored t-shirt mm-hmm. and you bought it you know you wore it and you had your group yeah. of five or six friends that all kind of liked the same thing but it was mm-hmm. never mainstream so you kind of you kind of didn't really talk about it yep. outside of your circle and this is coming from someone who went to lacrosse practice, you know, played lacrosse every single day in high school, loved it. None of the lacrosse guys cared about anime or video games. So after lacrosse practice, I went home, watched my anime for the day and played EverQuest. You know, that's just, that's what you did back then. Mm-hmm. Now we're at a point to where like on Twitter, what just went viral, Michael B. Jordan talking about playing on the PlayStation 5 and he wishes he could play Marvel versus Capcom 2. I'm like, bro, that yeah. was my era. That's what I grew up playing in the arcade. You know, but all of a sudden, you know, Michael B. Jordan, who is an absolute Chad, can talk about 
all of this on on Twitter and not yeah. get crap for it, you know. But it's it's this weird crossroads. So when I was able to talk about food and food related in anime, it was just kind mm-hmm. of a light bulb. And I was like, I can yeah. talk about this all day. I don't, you know, I don't need any run up. I don't need, I can literally get up out of bed. Let me have my first cup of coffee and we'll mm-hmm. talk all day about it. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, uh, and, and Hal, you probably know this. If you watch workout content yeah. or fitness content, like Athlean yeah. X, right? Probably the biggest fitness YouTuber yeah. in existence right now. He can literally get up out of bed and start talking to you about forms or how you're rotating your shoulder wrong or or how sitting is, you know, reducing your yeah. gains or something. When you when you know content that well and I'm not saying I know everything. You know, people look to me and think that I know a lot. I'm like I know maybe maybe half a percent of all food stuff that exists in this world because right. it's so vast. You know, there, there's just too much. There are too many cultures, too many, too many different families of food. Oh, you're a fan of food? Name every, every, name food. every food. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, nah, nah. You know, there, there's so many things that I don't know. And uh, with the, with food wars, there was an episode called endless wasteland. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Right. And when I, when I start to reflect, like after watching the entire series online, basically like people experienced it with me, essentially after watching the entire series, I think like this is the food world is truly an endless wasteland because the amount of knowledge in food is too vast. It, yeah. It's, it's ever expanding. Ideas are constantly being thrown together and you're, you're never going to know everything, which is fine, but there's always going to be something that you will love doing over and over and over again. Like for me, I just love eating burritos. If that was my thing, I could just eat burritos all day, but you know, I also want my six pack so I can't eat all the tacos. Right. So, you know, it's, it's with, with food and, and being able to love food, but also share my love for anime. I think we're in that realm right now in a lot of people's lives Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you know i'm not gonna say you guys are as old as me because i'm an old boy but it's when you look at it i'm I'm 25 i think hallie's 20 i'm 23 okay so definitely i have you know what 10 years on you guys oh i feel so old but it won't stop me from talking about you know how much i love anime i go to conventions well when they're around i cosplay at every convention i go to i go to every renaissance fair i can and i dress up in some kind of garb like yeah we were I, gonna go to, to a cosplay uh i was gonna be uh, kid goku and pax was gonna be my nimbus and hell yeah <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing like why? like i, I <laughs> no, literally we really no. do want to go so badly but then yes. COVID happened yeah, yeah, yeah. and we didn't get to go anymore <laughs> yeah no that's it, oh, it's shit. it's crazy how big if you really look at the scale at which things if you just look at things over time right which i mm-hmm. i tend to look at and if you just look at how for for let's let's talk about conventions mm-hmm. my first convention my very first convention was 2008 anime expo Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty intimate affair, you know, probably still tens of thousands of people, but not like the hundred thousand cap that they're hitting now. Yeah. And you're looking at over the course of a year, they have to, they're, they're filling, you know, the, the LA convention center, which is massive. Right. And you start to look at it, you're like, okay, well, 2008, I was 22 or whatever age I was at that point. And so I didn't have a ton of expendable income, but people are starting to make more money and more money. So you yeah. see that the anime industry as a whole is just going crazy. You know, if you look at, what was it? Uh, Demon Slayer. 
right? That went super mainstream. Mm-hmm. That was an yep. anime that should have never gone mainstream, in my opinion. You know, it was really good. It was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. But was it as good as an anime like... Well, I guess Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, but that never hit like mainstream where you have streamers talking That's about true. it. That's true. And, and what's know. crazy in, in, in this is that like our, our I think, um, thing where it's like uh, our first mainstream anime that we liked it hit, hit it was like Naruto. For yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but teaching some kids now who are like um, I, I taught like uh, middle school age kids mm-hmm. um, and their their go to is like Attack on Titan. Yeah. It was yeah. the thing that hit mainstream. And to hear these like kids being like, Oh yeah, I just think it's really cool when the vice captain bisects the Titan and then swims around in the arteries. Like it's like it's like so badass. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah, no. <laughs> Team seven. That's all you need to know. Team seven. Yeah, like that's yeah, what yeah, you should yeah. be about, you know? Yeah. And and it's crazy because the the anime that comes out now is pretty brutal yeah like a lot yeah. of the mainstreams when when i talk about like you talk about attack on titan there are some deep themes in that show mm-hmm. that do that are not meant for children no you know mm-hmm. that that is an anime regardless of the 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 visceral content mm. like the actual themes of that show are very like dystopian and totalitarian and and you're talking about like themes that may have happened in history at some point and could be dangerous if you misunderstand them or if right. you don't have the context. Exactly. Sure. Whereas you're looking at Naruto, I'm trying to save my best friend and then save the world. Yeah. Okay, cool. Whatever. You're Superman. My yeah, bloodline. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my bloodline. <laughs> yeah. You know, where uh, same thing with Dragon Ball Z. It was just trying mm. to overcome challenge. Yeah. So it could have been, well, my challenge today is not knocking over the Jenga tower. You know, it's the same, it's the same energy basically, but in very different forms. Mm-hmm. Whereas sure. anime later on started having these storylines where I'm like, how are kids watching this? Yeah, it's like switching from this? Marvel to DC, just being like, everything's yeah. super fun, everything's a good time, everything like these yeah. heroes, they have problems, but they're going to overcome to DC. Yeah. Dark and brooding, Martha, you yeah. killed my mother, I need to avenge, but I won't kill, I won't do it. Like yep, like that, exactly. very much things like that. Yeah, and yeah. and I feel like kids these days, I don't even know what what I would be watching if I were 12. You know, we're 13 right now. Like, yeah. Boruto? Like yeah. maybe my, my hero is a huge thing. For my, oh, I'm like sorry. Yeah, my hero is yeah. huge, which I'm still yeah. waiting for the, the new season because I'm a huge literally my whiteboard over here says mm. plus ultra all of your content literally <laughs> yeah. right now, you know, so I can see it super, every day. Super aspirational. Yeah. And it, um, I think I think I think that's probably the DBZ of of today. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's accurate. One to Punch say. is also I mean, just, coming out with season two. So yeah, yeah, yeah One absolutely. Punch as well. Um, and just to kind of um, kind of encapsulate what was talked about earlier, because Paul made so many great points, like to the the, the young kids out there, because I don't think it's something you need to be closeted it, as much anymore, your love of anime. But like it, it was super stigmatized when we were young. Mm-hmm. But I really hope that the, the big lesson that comes from the fact that like all, all your favorite rappers rep their favorite anime characters that you're seeing, it's super mainstream now. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of wants to get in on it because it's hitting um, is I, I hope that like that that empathy still carries on in that like whatever you somebody else's liking that you don't understand um just come at it with, with love and joy like i know like there are a lot of people who still like dunk on furries which isn't a community that i'm like super like aware of mm-hmm. but it's like if it's not hurting anybody yeah. or whatever your passion is a, a k-pop's another huge thing these days come at this stuff with love and compassion or seek to understand um because yep. it was all part of the same thing as like uh when you're growing up like how people would dunk on justin bieber for being like huh, that justin bieber is pretty gay we should kill him and I'd be like yeah, whoa yeah. like no, it's what, like just, super hate crime yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. just like turn off the radio at that point like what what is it that's that's one thing that always just blew my mind is the attack on people's fandoms 
sure. when they're not bothering you. You know, mm-hmm. like I like I listen to K-pop every now and then. I actually just bought the BTS like K-pop sound pack on Beat There's Saber. Some bops, yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, this is mapped really well. Yeah. I don't I don't know what the hell they're saying, but it's yeah. chill. Like I'm not gonna listen to it in my pastime, but I'm gonna download the music or I'm gonna, you know, buy the the Beat Saber sound pack or whatever, and it's chill. But I'm you know, I have we have some younger friends out here who mm-hmm. like all they talk about is K-pop. And one of them, Abigail, she, she's been on the channel for uh, an Overwatch like drink video. Mm-hmm. And she just helped me film another Overwatch drink video. And she she like buys all their albums and like resells the, the stuff to like make more money off of them or whatever. She's like, we need to keep buying albums. I'm like, that's cool. You don't need to talk to me about it. I'm I'm like I, Abigail. I love you. Not interested, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But like we, you know, we'll talk about One Piece, or we'll talk about yeah. you know working on like a Dragon Ball Z thing or mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm not gonna harp on her for loving K-pop. I'm like go to. I used to. I just used to go to raves, you know, or I used to go to go to nightclubs till three in the morning listening to like Cascade or or Tiesto or what. I'm so dating myself, you know, to all these different artists, yeah. and I would never drag somebody along who didn't want to go but i'm not going to hate them for not wanting to go either i'm like oh, that's chill you know we don't have to listen to this music in the car when you're with me that's i'll yeah, listen to anything yeah, like, whatever you want to listen to green day put on some green day i don't care yeah. you know send now, me back to high school yeah <laughs> now just so we can um recap it because this was something that uh got got cut out earlier and like all professional podcasters to make sure we get it really right we record every episode five to eight times yes. you know you just gotta do it <laughs> um so paul we were actually wondering uh so you have such a history with food and being a chef and like like it's such a rich uh trove of information to go from but mm-hmm. then you you know you pivoted to youtube you sort of used your passion for food to to incorporate into an entirely new art form and platform um what exactly was that like for you and did you did you find that you found more of yourself through that process did you come sort of into your own through that mm. yeah absolutely and this is this is something that kind of it's the it's the same thing we kind of just talked about. Like you have passions that you can't really share with a lot of people like anime, for instance. Yeah. So in the, in the food industry where I was working and in, in I've gone to, I've worked in many different restaurants either for like a stage or for a short period of time because I wanted to be the kind of guy who experienced a lot of different restaurants. Mm-hmm. And those restaurants, you know, they have their menu there. They have their set menu. So I wanted to learn how to cook that food. And, but that's all you were cooking, mm-hmm. right? You, you didn't have a lot of creativity. So eventually I was able to work my way up to, you know, sous chef or executive sous chef. And I had people under me and this and that. And I was able to create the menus, you know, even for working for a hotel where if I had 12 to 30 cooks at any given time working under me, they were cooking my menu. But even if I wanted to be super over the top creative, Mm -hmm. I still had to answer to corporate because of the, because of the environment, right? right? This is, this is a very specific situation, but that was my situation where I, you know, I managed one of the pool bars at the hotel and the pool bar was 500 people deep when it was full in the summertime. And you're talking about there's no real seating assignment. So you had servers running around the pool, trying to get people's orders and take food out. So instead of making the most creative dishes, I had to think of the best tasting food that I could sell very quickly. Right. Mm. And, and I had a chef in culinary school who talked about this and he's like slow food fast. So the, a lot of the food that we made was if I'm doing, uh, like a really good pulled pork sandwich. I would typically spend 10 to 12 hours braising the pork. But then Mm -hmm. when you served it, it only took three or four minutes to get it into the window. 
So that way they can take it and go. So a lot of like, it's very, it's very different Mm -hmm. when you're in that environment, when you're in a professional environment, you can't be as creative as you want because people aren't willing to either wait or pay for it. If they're willing to pay for it, they're willing to wait. Right. It's one or the other, right? So you look at a lot of the the big three-star Michelin places, they're they're still putting out food very quickly, but people are going there because of that chef or because of that particular food. So what I didn't like about that is I couldn't be as creative as I wanted to most of the time. You know, I could maybe throw together a special or something, but the whole goal was to sell mm-hmm. and to meet costs. You know, when, when I first took over one of the restaurants, the previous sous chef had like a 32% food cost for a pool bar. And what that means is that you're losing money yeah. essentially, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I brought it down to 17% and which to, to me was, I didn't think anything of it, but that's, I was, my, my, yeah, my chef yeah. was like, dude, you just literally saved us one and a half million yeah. dollars this year by bringing down the food cost because that's the volume that we did. And when you think about the hotel industry or a lot of the restaurant industry, it's all about numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, the creativity sometimes comes second, which is really sad to me. So during the during the COVID closures, this is actually kind of crazy because we were in Scotland when all of this started happening, when all the closures started happening. Mm-hmm. And this is where my my pivoting story starts to come into fruition and and why I decided to pivot from just working full-time because I could have just gone and worked in another restaurant. Uh, We got the announcement on our last day in Scotland that they were closing travel. Mm -hmm. So that was exciting to try to get back home from Amsterdam after leaving Scotland, you know, to try to get back home. But after I got back home, I came into work and this was for a little mom and pop bakery that taught me how to make sourdough bread by hand, you know, and I was in charge of their I was in charge of their breakfast and their lunch menu. So I was creating the menus for them. I was executing it for them. And it was a lot of fun. I was let go two weeks after all the closures happened. So I had been doing at that point, that was in March. I had been on, I'd been doing YouTube for about a year, Uh, not even a year. That was 11 months at that point since my first video uploaded was in April. And I talked to my wife and I was like, should I just dive into YouTube. And we kind of looked at our finances. I ended up like selling my car, which I absolutely love. You know, I was just like, well, I can't, I don't want to have this payment with me anymore. So sold the car, took the, I had excess cash from it, which was really nice. And I used some of that to like get a, get a GoPro instead of using Mm -hmm. my cell phone to, to record cooking videos. Mm -hmm. And I decided to go like all in. And thankfully the community that's behind the channel has been amazing, like with Patreon and with sharing the videos and watching them and being engaging. And I was able to make enough to, without the car payment and without a few other things, like we just paid off some bills, um, to be able to sustain it in a way. Mm -hmm. And luckily my wife is essential. So I was able to, the pivoting from professional content was more out of necessity than anything else. Because what was I going to do at that point? You're talking about someone with over a decade of experience all of the hotels are closed. Restaurants are not hiring. Mm-hmm. I had literally nowhere to go. Unemployment denied me because I was working for myself technically because of YouTube and, and Patreon. So I was like, this is on me at this point. And, trans- and, and pivoting to my own business out of necessity also caused me to try to be more creative and open up those like the open up the little juice box, you know, hit the straw in there and just get a little gush of creativity. And then I just started rolling with it. And YouTube has been super up and down. You know, your Mm -hmm. my analytics look like a look like a roller coaster. But 
they look like a roller coaster that's slowly still going up. So there are some really bad months. There are some really good months. But being able to do almost anything that I want because YouTube is still my restaurant. I still have to cater to yeah. a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Right. And, and being able to do that now is so much more important to me because – and I say important and not because of being able to create content for a living. When I look at my channel, I see people I'm able to either inspire or help in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and working in a restaurant, most people are just coming in to buy a bite of food. Yeah, they may have something they really like. And they really enjoyed it. And I hope it was life-changing. I hope you, you know, you ate into the sandwich that I made you and like, oh my God, you know, food wars moment. Yeah. And now you're naked yeah. in my restaurant, <laughs> but which is a whole different issue. <clears throat> but it's it's when I see YouTube now, I don't see it as I get to create content full time and you know be creative all the time. It's I'm serving a community of people who want to get better at cooking, but can relate to this to this to this guy who loves anime mm-hmm. and loves video games because those are two things that I absolutely love. And there's there's no reason why I can't combine the two. And now I've seen it and I know it's successful. So pivoting was a necessity, not really a choice. And now, and now that it's become my choice to continue this content because things are opening back up slightly, I'd rather do this for the rest of my life than work back in a hotel. Come on, you that's know? awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, it really comes down to like you guys right now with your podcast. You're serving a community who love anime. You know, there aren't actually a lot of podcasts that do that. And the same thing with I know there's a lot of channels on YouTube that do make anime food or video game food or whatever the case is. But you just find the person you relate to the most and you go with it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so that's that's to me is the important part of the content is is relating to people more so than tackling an algorithm or tackling YouTube whatever SEOs and it's like no you're 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 figuring it out with people not a machine. So if you Absolutely. make if you make content for a person you're going to be successful. Right. You know yeah. that's that's where my pivot just kind of I know we talked about a, a few different points but yeah the, yeah, we the did. pivoting was yeah the pivoting was definitely out of necessity more so than an active choice. And that's perfect. And I, I think that, you know, that's, that's what, what life is, is all about. At least if you, if you're looking for happiness, finding a way to, you know, find that demand, give that supply, but finding a way to be other centered and generous while still being true to yourself and, and finding a way to, to make that work, understanding that if you really want to, to help the most people, you got to be seen by more people and mm-hmm. it's working well for Chef Paul. You know, he's sitting at 140K right now. You yeah, just made just, just past that milestone, which is it. I still don't understand it. I don't know how it happened. I see the analytics. I'm like, that's cool. I just keep making, trying to make better content. You know, that's, that's just my yeah. goal. Is and just the chef's amazing. Yeah. Chef PK is amazing. Like, check out his content. He is the Wolfgang of this weeb shit. Yeah. He's so knowledgeable. <laughs> oh, uh, Wolfgang. That's like a whole upper echelon <laughs> of people, man. I know. I know. But um, uh, really, um, really make sure to check out uh, Chef PK on YouTube because your passion comes through. Your knowledge as a chef comes through. And I think that... Um, nobody you know plenty of people are doing amazing stuff but no one's doing it better than chef pk that that thirst for knowledge and experimentation you're like soma come to life in so many ways yeah that's uh that's that has affected me quite a bit yeah yeah which is really interesting yeah i love it like to be able to be a little bit more free with what i do Mm -hmm. is 
is amazing. Like my lab series, my absolute favorite thing. I like the anime recreations, but every time I make it a recreated recipe, I'm like, but what if I do this? Yeah. What if, what if we put this inside of a balloon and then have somebody explode it at their table? Mm. I don't know. Why not? Just do it. Yeah. Who cares? You're not selling it to anybody. You know, you're doing mm-hmm. it for, you're doing it for your community and for YouTube. Why can't somebody else, I don't know, fill a whipped cream balloon or something and pop it over their head and just, you know, go for it. Just go for it. Have some fun. Who are you hurting at that point? You know, that's how I see it. Uh, You know what? Speaking of having fun, uh, Pax and I created a little game for you, Chef, that uh, we're really, really excited for you to play today. We usually play a game on a lot of our episodes when we have guests, and uh, we crafted this one especially for you. And uh, what are we we calling it, Pax? What's it called? Oh. So we are calling this, is this, uh, is this natural or artificial anime? So, and when, so I, when I read that title, <laughs> I thought it was like, are you natty or are you on steroids? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like, what is this? <laughs> is Goku juicy? Let's discuss yeah, the, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the grand debate. Um, uh, but so we're really hyped about this. So what we have done, Chef, I I got so happy when you said you've only seen like three or four other food shows mm-hmm. because guess what we did? We, oh, we, we no. So we have we have um, three uh, real and three fake uh, food anime. Uh, God, anime. Uh, God, anime. anime. <laughs> we're going to be assassinated by <laughs> yeah, our listeners. Right? We have food, three food anime and uh, uh, three real um anime or manga or um vns and then three things that are complete fragments uh figments of our yeah, imagination we made <laughs> the blessed thing about this is uh, looking at this list i mean in the world of anime nothing is nothing yeah. is sacred it's so oh, nothing is sacred so uh chef let's see let's see if uh uh we we can uh get get a pass from you on this do you are you ready to play yeah let's do it Okay, everybody, this is, is this anime natural or artificial? All right, Hal, you lead us off. All right. So we're going to give you the name of it, and then we're going to give you a little um, a little blurb about what it's about, and then you're going to guess real or fake. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is called Gluttonous Detective. Detective Seiya Takano solves high-level cases by compulsively swallowing all the food at the scene of the crime and finding clues with his gourmet taste buds. <laughs> Is this natural or artificial? That has to be natural. It's too far-fetched to not be. Oh, exactly! It, yeah, Boom! It's, it's, it's such a stupid concept. Like... I just watched Jujutsu Kaisen. You know, I've been keeping up yeah. with that. And the dude's eating demon fingers to get powerful, so why not? Yeah, that you know? is natural. That is indeed. Oh, it's so Absolutely. weird. Absolutely. I don't know if I'd ever watch that. <laughs> okay, next up, uh, Paul. My childhood friend, Cheeseburger Chan. Oh, my God. High schooler Yosuke has fallen in love with his childhood friend. It's a standard setup, but what's not so standard is that his love is a giant anthropomorphic cheeseburger from the neck up. Watches Yosuke defends Cheeseburger Chan from bullies, perverts, and starving meal seekers in My Childhood Friend, Cheeseburger Chan. Is this real or fake? I'm going to say that one's... I'm going to say that one's fake. You got it! Yes! Ding, ding, ding! All right. That one... That one... And I think it... Because something like that, I probably would have come across 
Mm. You know, maybe in your deranged search of the interwebs. Maybe <laughs> like yeah, there, there's a there's some deep holes yeah. you can go down. You know, yeah. like yeah. Doro Hedaro with the the crocodile head. You know, yeah. when you see an anime like that, you're like, oh, that shouldn't exist, but I'm gonna watch it. All right, absolutely. Number three, are you ready? Okay. Ooh, okay. This is called Carnal Desire. Haruto is an avid vegetarian for years, but accidentally eats a small strip of non-vegan bacon out at a dinner date. Suddenly, he's overwhelmed with the urge to eat nothing but meat and eats his date to satisfy his primal cravings. When dating sites become takeout menus, will Haruto ever find love? Is that real oh or fake? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds like almost like parasite. So that one's real. It's fake. I mean, no. Oh, oh, it sounds like such a such a horror anime to me. That's like like Gantz level. I made it up. Know? None of it's no, real. I'd watch that. I would too. All right, all right. Hitting you up with number four. Uh, empty can. <laughs> empty can. A high school boy discovers soda cans that can actually transform into. Girls? No. These anthropomorphic soda cans need need carbonation (laughs) to survive. They also must battle each other until the superior type of soda can is revealed. Is this real or fake? That has to be true. You got it. it. You got it. That's just like that's like a stupid harem at that point. (laughs) You know? Oh my god. He's bringing soda cans to life and they battle for his love. Yeah. What is who's deranged is who wrote that? What is this? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. All right. Well, fantastic, Chef. You, I mean, the fact that you got that halfway through, very impressive. All right. We how got, is this with the next one? We got two oh. more. All right. Ready. This one is called Impostas. Businessman Kenji is your average anime mild-mannered office worker with an inexplicable 12-pack, going about a day when suddenly his office is attacked, his colleagues massacred by invading aliens made out of pasta from a giant planetoid meatball in the Andromeda galaxy. Follow Kenji on his quest for revenge in Impostas. Is this real or fake? It's... Oh my god. (laughs) Impostas. Impostas. It's the English name. Uh, it's true. Yes, I'm gonna go with true. Final answer. No, because it, it's it's uh, almost like One Punch Man levels oh, of yeah. deranged. Yeah, like For pants sure. on your head, stupid. Yeah, like okay, yeah. there has to be an alien pasta monster that wants to take over people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing with anime is you never know. Yeah, yeah, which is why these games are impossible, and so thank you for playing, Chef. <laughs> uh, last one, uh, Bento. <laughs> Young Yo Sato is out shopping in the discount aisle for soon-to-expire half-price Bento boxes, when he suddenly finds himself embroiled in a hyper-violent all-out brawl to the death between customers to obtain the bargain Bento. Bento then follows Yo's journey into a far-reaching underground fighting ring, where combatants fight to the death for the right to purchase discount supermarket items. Is Bento real or fake? Bento's real because I have seen an episode of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fantastic. I was waiting for you to finish it, but I was like, okay. I want to watch I got Bento. This one. That sounds I've, awesome. I've only seen one episode, but I need to, I need to finish it because it's just, it's so stupid and over the top. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've had people request like, oh, you should make food from bento but i'm like they're all bento boxes oh my god you know but so now i'm gonna i'll have to i'm gonna add it to the list of things that i need to binge but yes so 
Shout out to shout out to Paul for the anime knowledge coming through because that's that's the best that's one of the best that our guests yeah, have ever done. Yeah. So <laughs> congratulations, Jeff. Now, um, oh, it's it seems like we have a strange uh, it's strange it seems like we have a strange uh, seventh on the list. Um, no, let's no. see, f- Food Wars. Mm, uh, young young Sickness. chef Soma uh, <laughs> cooks various dishes uh, in a battle to become the uh, top ten at his school, and every time people eat it, they come in their pants. Is this real or is this fake? It's, that's that's happened to me, so that's real. <laughs> that's yeah, right, baby. That's Today right. we are talking about food wars. We are talking about food wars. Hey, everybody. So that is going to be the end of part one of our conversation with Chef PK. We're going to have a second episode up. It should be in your feeds right now. All about the series Food Wars. It is a hilarious episode. This is one of the craziest fucking shows ever made and it's an absolute hallmark of anime so i highly recommend that anybody who's interested in it check it out uh it'll be in your feed right now we also want to plug that chef pk is doing these amazing new uh shokugeki style food battles so head to chef pk's youtube channel and he has amazing challenge rules you could even win a really cool chef's knife so uh with that said i'm gonna give some standard outro music and i will see you in part two of our conversation with Chef PK doing food wars. It's like 2 a.m. I can't be too loud. I'm sorry to my neighbors, man. <laughs>